Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Wednesday, June 9, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? Well, actually there's interesting stuff on the docket today. From a daily chart perspective, the market really didn't move all that much. However, when we look around the horn, There's stuff going on under the covers. There are some areas around the markets that are acting, shall I say, rather weird. And the reason why we take notice of things that are acting a little strange, divergences, because not everything happens at the same time. Many times we get a tip-off from one market or one chart to another. For example, things start from a smaller time frame and they morph from there. We have indices or markets that are leading indicators. Not every day, not all day, but we watch them because generally speaking, when they start doing something out of the ordinary, when they start doing something different than they've done before, different than many of the other markets, we take notice. Many times we take heed. We're going to see some of those things today, and then we're going to notice that as we get closer to the end of the week, A lot of these numbers, a lot of these important spots come into play as we get to the end of the week, Friday's close, the weekly charts. Remember, the trend is your friend until she dumps you. The trend is the dominant thing, but also when you're looking at charts, the weekly chart is the dominant thing over the daily chart. The daily chart is the dominant thing over the hourly chart, and so on. Let's get back in our lane and address the daily chart. What happened today? They made a new high by a few pennies. Let's get the numbers under our belt. 423.21 was yesterday's high. 423.26, up by a nickel, is today's high, and that's all they were able to accomplish. Now, let's look at this from a common sense and logical perspective. A, they're above all the moving averages, They're eating time off the clock. If you look at the weekly chart, they're just pushing on the highs. You don't see the intraday activity on the weekly chart. It's a rounding error. They just haven't yet been able to bust through and continue going higher than the former highs. They keep trying. They test them. They're not really rejected. They just have a pullback. They're not ready to bust through yet. However, there's a couple of things going on. There's a couple of different ways to look at this. I want to go over them. On one hand, they're running sideways. They're eating time off the clock. That's building energy for another move higher. Now, the ideal scenario for that is when they do that underneath a certain spot. And they're basically doing that underneath the all-time highs, but they keep probing the highs. They keep making nominal new highs, And then not being rejected, but they pull back and they continue to eat time off the clock. So the awareness is this. We have to be aware that they may be trying to bust out and they're not able to. They could be out of gas. And then the question would say, well, why haven't they been rejected yet? They've had every opportunity to go lower. And that is absolutely a true statement. And there's no hard, concrete answer for that. Why haven't they been rejected? Well, we don't really need to know the why behind it. What we do need to know is price and time. And time is more important than price. 
So the way I'm looking at it is they're not out of time yet. The market will tell us when time is up. They'll put in some kind of a reversal signal, a sign and or signal of a trend change when time is up. Time may be up, time may not be up, but the market will tell us by virtue of a lot of volume flooding in, a reversal, a change in character, we'll know it when we see it. We've been here before. So therefore, until we see something like that, we go with they're just eating time off the clock in preparation for the next leg higher. One of the things that we've been discussing is the fact that they haven't been able to do this during the trading day. They can't trade through it. There's not sufficient information for the market to take in and say, hey, that's good enough news. Let's get the institutional participation going. Let's all hop on board, flood the market with volume, and send it up to new highs. That hasn't happened yet. We don't know when a spark will come in the market. A spark could come in the form of a media event, a news-related item, geopolitical, domestic tax policy, infrastructure news. It could come from anywhere. How about left field? By the same token, and again, we play umpire calling balls and strikes. So we have to have the awareness that that same piece of data, that same piece of news or media event could have a negative impact on the market. We could say the market was unable to bust through and make new highs, therefore she's failing, and then the answer would become she's failing now or whenever that would be because that was the timing the market was waiting for. We don't necessarily know, nor can we always identify the correct timing. Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. What's happening now? Is there an event or a sequence or series of events happening in the near term that could cause a spark? Again, this is awareness. This is the man in blue, the umpire. We talked about this yesterday. We have a new moon event. Here's what it is. The ring of fire solar eclipse of 2021. What time does it begin? Well, it doesn't really matter what time it begins. It begins early in the morning, in the pre-market. That wasn't the point. The point is, this is from space.com, and this is where you can order your tinfoil hat. This article tells you when it could be visible, from where it's going to be visible. Solar eclipses happen when the moon passes in front of the sun from the viewpoint of our planet. Total solar eclipses, which are relatively rare, happen when the moon covers the entire sun. Now, what's the importance of all this? What the hell does this have to do with the market? Well, I don't know that anybody can truly answer that with any kind of hard evidence other than to say that a lot of times when these events occur, we can link them to some kind of movement in the market. Why does that happen? Doesn't really matter. What matters is that we just watch out for it as an awareness, doesn't really matter that it is a new moon solar eclipse. It could be something else, something we never heard of. The point is, we're on the lookout for something strange happening in the market. Maybe it gives us the jolt to the upside, the acceleration, and they finally make new highs. Maybe it causes a rejection. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything 
It's an awareness. I'm the umpire. Don't shoot the messenger. 240 chart. We've been looking at this. I think it's worthwhile to continue looking. I think this chart is relevant. Again, above all the moving averages, are they just running sideways, eating time off the clock, building energy to finally bust through, or are they running out of gas and are they rolling over and will we see this below the moving averages tomorrow? You always have to have in mind this big breakdown candle. The high is 422.72. They actually closed above it one time, but then it was recaptured to the downside. Is that a negative? Is it a coincidence? Is it something we can ignore? I don't ignore anything. I'll leave that up to the individual trader. What about the 120 chart? Here's a big breakdown candle, and guess what? They never closed above this, so all they really did was run a test of this big breakdown candle high, and now they're coming back down. Now, if they stay above these moving averages and start back up, I would say that they're not going to stop at the high again, but yet eclipse the high. If they drop back below these moving averages, or at least the 20 by Thursday morning, we'll say, hey, they ran a test, and the test rejected price. Price is coming back down. That happens more often than not when we see these big breakdown candle highs. That's it. Period. Full stop. It's just how we go about reading the tape. What about inside the numbers? A very quiet day. So as you might suspect, nothing was really happening inside the numbers all day long as they were just doing nothing, eating time off the clock, running sideways up until the very end of the day when the market did roll over a little bit into the closing bell. Either way, there's always stuff to learn from the notes. So we'll start really with the early thoughts. They're hanging around the former highs. We know about that. No rejection. We know about that. Yesterday, they tested the important spot. We just want to remind ourselves. Today's number is 423.21. It's yesterday's high and the only thing in the way of more new highs. What happened this morning? They spiked it by five cents and they pulled back. So they're not ready or they can't do it or they're out of gas. We have another important number, 421.85. Below that on closing candles and the bears will have an opportunity to run some additional tests down south. Just to get some imagery under our belt, five minute chart right of the vertical, today's activity, 421.85. Now they did this into the end of the day, but that still is an important number and you can see what happened. The market tried to find some stability once it came into that number, and then it tried to give it up into the end of the day, and then it tried to get back above that number into the end of the day, and guess what? Right into the closing bell, what was the high in this candle? Let me move this over so everybody can see what that high was. 421.85. No accidents, no coincidences in the market. Funny how that works. Important numbers are resistance when price is below them, their support when price is above them. That's why I call them important because it depends on where price is currently relation to that important number. We're moving along and what I urge you to do is pause the video, read the notes and go back to the chart to double check the work. They didn't move a lot. There was not a lot to say. We take what the market provides in the way of opportunity. We don't create opportunity out of thin air. We don't invent trades. Just some more thoughts. 
When will they break out? We don't know. It's likely they will hanging around the highs, but we don't know when. But here's an important tidbit. The idea is for Trick and Company to get rid of as many traders who are trying to trade for a breakout. Yesterday, they had a shakeout operation to test the important number. And today, from an intraday perspective, they rolled over at the end of the day. Trick and Company, also known as the Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew, these are the folks that are responsible for making traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. So what they're trying to do is wear out the traders looking for new highs. They're wearing them down. They're trying to shake them loose each and every day. They have a shakeout operation. Let's see what else we have as we move it along. The transports. We'll get back to that later as we go over the charts from the transportation department. We'll look around the horn at the other stuff too. But early in the morning, just a few minutes into the trading day, I had my eye on things looking around the horn. Again, read the notes, pause the video. As the day unfolds, we've got some more numbers to discuss. 10 o'clock. Below 422 and a quarter on candle closes opens the door for a test of 421.40 down to 420.90. 421.40. Write that down. What was the low of day into the closing bell? 421.41. Again, no accidents, no coincidences. Nothing traders could have done with that information from this morning and the last candle of the day. That's not an active trade. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the point is that the numbers are real. The numbers are important. Sometimes they happen on our time schedule when we can affect and impact a trade and use them to our advantage. And other times they just become confirmation that the actual method that we derive the numbers is correct. And so guess what? It is. We're moving along. They're not doing anything. There's no institutional participation, no volume, no conviction. That's why confirmation was discussed. What I'm referencing is, could a trader be long looking for the breakout? Well, you can be, but you have to understand the risk. Might not happen. Or you can wait for the breakout, and then what happens? The former area that was resistance will become support. They'll come back for a retest. You buy the retest, they go back up, and life goes on. They close back below that same area that is now support, and you know that the trade is wrong. They would have recaptured on the downside that important spot, so therefore, you would have to take the trade back off, but at least you have points of reference. You have stuff to trade against. Buying before they break out at the highs or near the highs is high risk. Buying higher and hoping to sell higher is high risk. It's not necessarily a trader's best friend. It's certainly not mine anyway. We're moving along. Let's see what else we have in the notes. There's really nothing material that we need to go over in depth. There's a chart that I want to show you. And this is important because we're going to look at the transports in a little while. So I was again referencing back to the transports inside the numbers during the training day because I think it's important that traders recognize how all this comes together. Each thing, each item is a puzzle piece. We put each item or each puzzle piece on the table 
And the more pieces that we have, the more the picture begins to emerge on what the market is really doing. And that's essentially what I'm doing each and every day by looking around the horn at all the different markets, at all the different time frames. We're trying to decipher the message of the market. Anything doing from stocks on the move, and for the second day in a row, really nothing doing. So here's a picture of Dish, and here's what happened. They're getting a haircut at the open. They come close. It's questionable, close enough, too close, not close enough. But here's how I gauge it, and I've said this many, many times, so we're going to do it again. So here's the low. The low was 41.61. The entry target was 41.38. Could make a case either way, not too close, too close. But here's what happened. They traded away and they actually did the thing. So the high here was 42.28. So they gave you much more than the minimum required base hit. So what that does for me is it puts it in the, nah, I don't really want it camp. Nevertheless, you could see what happened during the trading day. They came into the number. They fought the number a little bit. They tried to fight back to the number and fell away at the end of the day. There was a secondary number down at $40.10. The low here is $40.42, so they never came close to the second number, and they floundered in between. It's a nothing burger. Why are we looking at UPS? Well, I want to point something out. I think it's an interesting learning opportunity. It goes to things that we discuss all the time, and it really goes to why I look at a multitude of different charts. Now, I saw this after the fact. I saw what happened, what I'm about to show you, after it happened, and it was too late to let everybody know from inside the numbers, hey, here's a spot. But since I saw it, I think I want to point it out because I think we can use it as a learning opportunity. UPS was down pretty good today. Down eight bucks at the end of the day. It was down more earlier. It was down over 10 bucks at one point. So it was getting a pretty nice haircut. And we'll notice that It really didn't come into any specific number, any specific thing or support area other than the 50-period moving average on the daily chart, and that does count for something. Okay, fair enough. That by itself isn't a reason to buy the stock. And I'm not talking about a swing trade. I'm really talking about an intraday type of trade. So let's move on and let's look at another chart. But wait, there's more. How about the 120-minute chart? Not a lot of people look at that chart. Not a lot of people even know a 120-minute chart exists. But check this out. All of a sudden, a 200-period moving average. So on the daily chart, as UPS was coming into its 50-day moving average, the same time it's coming into the 120-minute chart, 200-period moving average. That's interesting. What about the 240-minute chart? Another time frame unbeknownst to many traders. Look at this. The 100 period moving average. We have a 100 period moving average, a 200 period moving average, and a 50 period moving average all at the same time on different charts. And oh, by the way, all just beneath $200, a big fat round number. Pretty interesting. So the three moving averages are right around $198. It's right beneath a big fat round number. If a trader sees this happening or sees that spot before it happens, 198, is that a reasonable opportunity for an intraday scalp trade 
or day trade at a minimum. Think about it like this. And here's where I just use common sense and logic. It's not going to work 100% of the time. But you have a big fat round number. That's item number one. You have a 120-minute chart, a 240 chart, a daily chart, all coming into different moving averages at the same time. So that's four items. Don't we call this a full stack? Again, it's not going to work 100% of the time. However, it's going to work the majority of the time. We're in the risk business. When stuff stacks up like that, that's where you step in and put on risk. What's going on over in Camp IWM? And what is that 230.95 horizontal line represent? Well, it represents that pivot high that we talked about before. Now, you'll remember this, and this is interesting. So we had a trend line, and they broke out of the trend line. So we said either this is going to be a lower high, and they're going to trade away, or they break above the trend line, and if they do, they immediately go to 231. They immediately went to 231, came up a few cents short on this day. The next day, they pop above it. Now, what was the low today? How about 230.98? Let me move that and show you. 230.98. This number is 230.95. You see where I'm going with that. Any accidents or coincidences? No, we can throw that out the window. So, and the reason why I'm doing all this, not because of this trend line, I just wanted to talk about it so the visual was best. But the reason why I wanted to do that is if we have a recapture inside of that pivot that they broke out above, that's a negative thing for the IWM. However, what's the dominant thing? The dominant thing is being above all the moving averages. The dominant thing is the weekly chart. The dominant thing is the fact that they couldn't close the week below the breakup candle low. We talk about it all the time. But these are all the things that you need to look at to do a full and complete analysis. And it's in the eye of the beholder whether it's a full and complete analysis. Some traders may want to use indicators. That's trader's choice. You know how I feel about those. You get those at Joe's Indicator Shop. They're all backward-looking things. Stochastics, RSI, Mac Daddy, Bollinger Bands, Rubber Bands, Lupinacci Vectors. Strictly my opinion, my opinion based on my experiences, you don't need that stuff. Here's the challenge with that stuff. For example, you got a MACD, a Mac Daddy, or an RSI. Pick your poison. And it works. All of a sudden, the market does what the indicator said it was going to do. And therefore, in your mind, holy cow, that works. So now, the same setup, tomorrow comes along or another day comes along, and you apply the same set of indicators or parameters that you did before, and it doesn't work. So does it work or doesn't it work? Well, since it worked before, you think, well, it just didn't work this time. Nothing works every time, so we'll use it again because I already saw that it worked. What most people don't do is they don't realize that these things don't work. They're all a coin toss. They all work some of the time, which gives you the impression and the false sense of thinking that they work. Everything works sometimes. The market's always going to go to somebody's number. The question is, 
Does that somebody have the right numbers more often than not? What about the folks down at the transportation department? So check this out. They gave up the 50-period moving average today. Now, this is interesting because they also gave up the breakup candle low. Remember, 15,369 and change. So now, they closed below it today. They could recapture it. There could be a rescue operation. But we have to note that by Friday's close, this is the more important number, right? Because if they close tomorrow or today below a number and they have a rescue operation by the end of the week above the weekly chart number, then guess what? The weekly chart has the dominance over the daily chart and therefore it was just a one-day wonder closing below, a little bit of a fake out, whatever. We're always going to use the dominant thing as the main thing. But from a daily chart perspective, here's what we've got. We've got a market that's weak. This is my second favorite market leading indicator, but my A number one canary in the coal mine. If the S&P 500 is building energy to have another leg higher, and if we were going to have institutional participation, wouldn't we have the leading indicator leading the market in that direction telling us that that's what was going to happen? I would think so. I would think that would at least be on the table. What about the folks out in Silicon Valley? The Qs. Anything happen over here today? Not really. Tried to rally a little bit, sold off, finished on the lows, but it's a rounding error. Nothing happened. They're above all the moving averages. The only thing we have is either a lower high scenario or they're going to build energy to make another push higher to challenge and potentially bust through the former highs. If we have the lower high scenario, that was number A, then you're going to see one of these develop. Eventually, they're going to start running tests of the moving averages again, get below them, and then it's the goodnight Irene scenario. Smash Mouth. Now, that was down today, and that's a pretty good proxy or tell for the tech space as a whole. But, again, above all the moving averages, that's the dominant thing, but we also have a set of lower highs, which probably cancels out the dominant thing we just spoke about above the moving averages. I would say this is important. The above moving average thing is important, and this is important eating time off the clock. This is what will allow the SMH to get rid of the lower high scenario, this third lower high or second lower high, and run a test of these highs here. That was a little choppy because they did it in real time, but that's okay. Chop, no chop, same answer comes out the other end. Pan back a little bit, take a look at a weekly chart, and you see the same thing without a lot of the back and forth. High, lower high, lower high, until and unless you get above last week's high, this is subject to go down. And if they get below the 20-week moving average, again, it's the goodnight Irene scenario. What's another goodnight Irene spot? Well, how about this breakup candle low, 239.88? It's a weekly candle, weekly chart, weekly spot, but yet important number below the 20-period moving average, Below that, on a weekly close, below both those things, again, good night, Irene. I'm not saying that's going to happen this week. I'm saying we have to be the umpire looking at balls and strikes, calling them as we see them. 
Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.